welcome to the second edition, or the, the first episode officially, um, after the pilot episode of the um, the new podcast, The Scotsman Abroad. Um, I'm Kevin King. I'm excited to be here. A um, couple of things from the first podcast that I noticed that I need to work on, get a little bit better at. I say M, R, quite a lot, so <laughs> that was very noticeable. Lil's very kindly pointed that out, my, my daughter. And also, I'd said during the podcast about a song that I was going to play, my song of the week um, by the Sudoptors. I added it at the end of the podcast, and the podcast should have gone straight into it, depending on what platform you're listening on. I think it's on Spotify. It will play the song straight after the episode. So this time, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the song during the episode, and I'll play the song during the episode, and then continue on. So I'm still experimenting, still still learning a little bit of um, this technology and using some software that I haven't haven't used before. But I'll get straight into it. Um, it is first week back at school has just completed. Um, I'm recording this here on the 8th of August. It's Saturday night. I've had a few beers, chilled out. It's been a really hot day here today in Georgia. But um, as I say, schools have gone back this week. Gage has gone into his senior year at Rockmart High School. He's seems to be excited he doesn't really say a whole lot so he's getting up he's going to school he's coming home and he says he's enjoying it so that's that's probably enough um for, for him but Lil's is is loving middle school she's gone into eighth grade a couple of new teachers this year that she likes um one of them is going to be the guest on the show matt foster we'll be recording this interview with matt tomorrow so we'll take a break from the recording here in a few minutes and um I'll, I'll be setting up over at Matt's house tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. But Lil's is, is loving middle school. She is in the band. She's been marching with the high school band every every practice after school. She's been heading over there. Cost us a fortune for a new clarinet. Her um her old clarinet was just a cheap one off of off of Amazon that was just a, a practice one for her really for a year to see if she was going to like band and going to stick at it. So. She seems to be all in now, so it looks like we've got five years now of marching band as she does her eighth grade and then into into high school. I've got to say, I think the schools have done a great job. The um, one-way systems that they've got, encouraging kids to wear masks. People are going to get sick. I mean, it's just a fact of life and all that. Um, the virus is still out there. Just hoping that we can kind of contain it a little bit. But we've got to get back to some sort of normality. The kids have got to get back to school. They're going stir crazy at home. So my kids will be going as long as the schools are open, for sure. Lil's is riding the bus. Uh, as I say, Gage is at Rockmart, so he's about 18, 19 miles from the house, maybe something like that. So Lynn's got to drive him every day, um, unless he can get a freaking license and drive himself. Um, would be helpful, but he's decided not to do that yet, so... He's going to um, continue to have his mum get him to and from school or myself if I need to pick him, pick him up some days. But I think the schools have done a great job. There's been a couple of reported cases this week, both in the, the faculty of, of teachers and also with the kids. So we just need to uh, make sure everybody's staying healthy as possible. Okay, you know, making sure you're wearing your masks when they're out and about in the school playgrounds or the, the school, you know, eight commons areas they don't really have playgrounds here in the u.s not like we did in, in the uk and scotland growing up but i think everyone's done a great job so keep going and um we'll we'll just you know keep our fingers crossed and hopefully football season band season can can kick in and we can get some good some good friday night lights coming up here 
But one thing I have to say about the schools, and I'm going to go straight into what grinds my gears this week. Man, the amount of paperwork that you get home every year to fill out um, is just so... I mean, I get writer's cramp in my wrist filling out so much paperwork for both the kids. It's um, I know it's necessary and I, I get it, but it is probably the single worst thing about them um, starting back school is bringing home all these letters you've got to sign and what's your kid's phone number and what's your kid's address and what's your kid's social security number. I just want to write across it, same as last year. I'll update it when it changes. But um, anyway, I get why they have to do it. But um, it is one of the worst things of the first week back at school, all the all the writer's cramp that I deal with. So anyway, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my, my song or album of the week. Um, it was being inspired by the guest that we're going to have on the, the podcast, Matt Foster. He posted a, a video on his Facebook page. It was, a, I think it was a Portuguese version of the song, The Blower's Daughter. Um, I... I didn't. I didn't. Obviously, I don't speak Portuguese or, or Spanish, unfortunately. There's a Spanish version out there too, but the song, the melody, you could you could hear it straight off. I knew fine well it was Damien Rice. Um, it was an incredible version of the song. But I went back um, and pulled out my old CD for for anyone who doesn't um, who, who's got a CD collection. I, I've got hundreds of CDs. I just I, I love I love having the CD. So I pulled out the. The old album of two thousand and two, man, eighteen years, eighteen years ago is incredible, uh, and and the album is just so chilled, you know, it's amazing songwriting. He's a great guitarist, and um, I, I, you know, I listened to the songs. The the Blower's Daughter was the song on the um, on YouTube that Matt had posted, but that's not my song of the week. It says Cannonball. That's my favorite song on that album. It's uh, I think it's a great song. Uh, I'll also give a shout out to the song Eskimo. Um, it's a really good song as well. So this is a great album. It's really chilled, you know, summer nights, having a beer uh, outside by the pool. Um, so uh, very much enjoyed listening to that again. And just can't believe it's it's been 18 years since that album was, was released. So next um, topic I want to talk about a little bit is the uh, soccer or football, um, my favorite sport. The, the MLS has been back now since the start of July. We've had a, a tournament where all the teams went to Orlando. I told you on the last podcast, Atlanta just royally sucked. They were awful, boring, ponderous, just ridiculous to watch. So the week came home after three games, and, and the tournament continued on. And one team who has made the final um, is, is Orlando's big sorry is Atlanta's big rivals, Orlando. They have been a, a breath of fresh air, actually, to watch. They played some really good stuff completely different from their first two or three years in the MLS. Nani, um, ex-Man United, has, has been incredibly um, on his game. There's, he's one of these players who's very frustrating. He's either you know world-class or Sunday League class. There's not a lot of in-between with him, but he, he's been on it this, um, this tournament. So they, they've made the final from the Eastern side, and then there's a Western team in the final from the Portland Timbers. I like Portland. They're a good, solid team, but they have a, a player um, who plays in the number 10 position. I think he wears number 8 for them, but he, he plays in the 10. He's the creative midfielder. A guy called Diego Valeri. He has had another great tournament. He's just so consistent. He's so good. He's so creative. He gets on the ball. He makes things happen. He scores goals. So um, excited to watch the final. I've got to say, as an Atlanta supporter, Atlanta fan, I really hope Portland win like 7-0. 
and give Orlando a, a good spanking. But uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen because Orlando have, a, have actually looked pretty good. And then the MLS has announced that we're going to go straight into regular season on the back of the tournament. They've announced the first six games. So Atlanta's first six games we've got um, got on the schedule. There's going to be no fans allowed, unfortunately. So we've got three home, three away against the same opponents. So we're going to play into Miami, home and away, Orlando, home and away, and then Nashville. It's kind of tearing at me a little bit because um, all three of these teams are relatively close by in American terms. You know, um, They're all our rival teams, so it would be great games for the fans to go to and to watch. But I do understand that um, having fans at this point in time is probably not a, a smart idea. And having teams traveling less at this moment means that they can get more games played. So uh, I think it's a good decision. There's six, as I say, six games in the schedule, and then we'll see what happens with the remaining games um, into the end of the year and how they do the the playoffs and then the tournament bracket. But it looks like, from the fans' perspective in Atlanta, we may get some games at home this year that we get to attend, but I think our season tickets are going to roll over into next year, and um, which is which is handy because now I've paid for my season ticket for next year. So I'm excited to get back into the Mercedes-Benz, watching the game from the supporters section hanging out and it's just a it's a great time great atmosphere if you've if you're in atlanta and you've not been to an atlanta united soccer match uh, i really uh, advise you to to try it out it's it's such a good time such fun um a, a huge mix of cultures is there and everybody just goes um, has a good time and and usually the games are pretty good as well so and then over in europe we've had the the champions league we've got to the final eight now of the champions league um Man City put out Real Madrid this week. I watched a little bit of the Barcelona game tonight. Um, Lionel Messi scored this goal where he took on five players and everybody was just you know falling over themselves to say he's the greatest player in the world, which I, I do agree with actually, but I thought the goal was just terrible defending actually. I mean, he got past three defenders without, without even really having to try. The ball was bobbling everywhere. Nobody put a tackle in, nobody... Nobody tried to go win the ball. They were all, you know, kind of backing off of them, um, a little scared. So I would say that um, the goal's probably, it looks great because he goes past a bunch of players, puts it in the corner, and the whole team, you know, go off and celebrate. But it was pretty pretty bad defending. And then Bayern Munich um, gave Chelsea a good old spanking. It ended up 7-1 over the two legs, which um, is hard to take for Chelsea. I think they've got a really great young team. Um, I'm actually quite worried. Obviously, I'm a Manchester United supporter in England, but Chelsea look really good. Frank Lampard has, has done a great job there with his coaching. He, he's really got some good youthful players. Um, I think Christian Pulisic is a, is a real talent, the, the American kid who, who came in from, from Germany. He's um, having a lot of impact, very fast, very direct, creates and, and goes for goal. So he's got a big, bright future ahead of him. Uh, Mason Mount, Tammy Abram, both really good um, English players. But the, the, the real jewel in the crown, I think, for them is, hopefully, from my perspective, from, from being Scottish, is, is Billy Gibson, the youngster who's come through in midfield. He, he uh, really sets the tempo for them sometimes. When he's on the field and all the play goes through him, you know, he's, he's 18, 19 years old, he's coming short, he's asking for the ball off the defence, he's turning, he's playing through the lines, he's moving the team up the field, he's talking, 
um, I'm just really excited. I just hope that we can find a way to integrate him into the Scottish team and, and build a team around him because his, his range of passing is, is, is really, really incredible. So I'm looking at the Champions League quarterfinals. We've got Man City versus Lyon. I think Man City will, will get through that. Barcelona, Bayern Munich is probably the tie of the round. The two titans that are left. I, I like watching Barcelona, but I've got a funny feeling that Bayern Munich might just have too much for them. I think Lewandowski up front for them is in such great form this year. So I, I'm going to say, I think the semi-final on that side of the bracket will be Man City against Munich. Then you've got Leipzig against Atletico. I've not seen a whole lot of uh, Leipzig at all, but I, I know how Atletico play. They're very high-pressing, very in-your-face, very organised. Diego Simeone's done a great job, so I'm going to say Atletico will make the semi-finals. And then I've got Atalanta against Paris PSG. Uh, I just, I've got a problem with with PSG, I just don't like the club. Um, I think that you know they've got so much money, they're they're wasteful with it. I don't like Neymar, um, so I hope Atalanta get in their faces, press them high, um, and attack, attack, attack. That's been their philosophy all year. So I hope Atalanta make that semi final, um, and then I, I actually hope that Atalanta can can then go out and, and knock out Atletico and, and get to the final. And I, I'm hoping for an Atalanta Bayern Munich final. I think that would be an incredible, incredible match to watch. So the next thing is the the book. Um, I, I mentioned in my last podcast, I was oh, so excited about getting this new book. The the author is a guy called Mark Billingham. The series is about a detective called Tom Thorne, and the book arrived on Tuesday evening. Um, as I say, I'm, I'm recording this on Saturday, so I've had a, I've had three days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I, I read the book, and it is just incredible. It takes us back 20 years. It's set before the very first novel that he wrote. It gives you a whole lot of context around the character, um, his his divorce from his wife, his meeting of his best friend in, in, the, in the later books. Um, it was just an incredible read. Uh, m- massive plot twist at the end, as usual had no idea who done it and it was just it was so entertaining and, and you know I just I love reading um, great books like that and it was so much um, it, it delivered everything that I hoped it would when um, when it was brought to me by my Amazon so the beer of the week we're going to talk about this week um, I'm actually going to drink it tomorrow with Matt and, and we'll kind of do a review together of the taste, but I'll tell you a little bit about it now. It's um, it's a beer called Unicorn versus Ninja. Um, it's it's by Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois. The artwork on this can is just incredible. It's a, it's a cartoon ninja and unicorn fighting each other. It's an it's an actually an unfiltered double IPA, so it's coming in quite heavy at eight percent. It's it's quite a strong beer. Um, but for for me, it's it's actually um, it's quite light in its color. It's it's got really nice taste to it. It's one of my favorite beers that I've tried in the last few weeks during lockdown. So I I, I talked to Matt this week. He's not tried it yet. So we'll we'll, we'll get a review kind of live with the, the recording tomorrow with Matt. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to sign off on my kind of um, own chat here i'm looking forward to getting with matt tomorrow we'll probably do 35 40 minutes worth of chat with matt 
Um, so once I sign off here, hopefully you will hear the song Cannonball by, by Damien Rice if you're listening on Spotify. And uh, it should play straight into it. And then we'll um, we'll catch up with Matt tomorrow and we'll, we'll get it published later this week. So you guys should probably hear this that we choose the Wednesday um, during the week. So sometime like the, the 10th or the 11th of August, this should be out. So um, one last thing before I go, as I said, today's the 8th of August. It is my my niece Derry back in Scotland. It is her her birthday. She's 14 today. No idea how how that's happened. So happy birthday, Derry. Um, just let you know that we love you and we miss you and I can't wait to to get over to Scotland with work sometime soon and be able to hug your neck, take you for a Starbucks and and go do some shopping and have some uncle niece time that we like to do when I'm over there. So happy birthday, Derry, um, and we will um, talk to you all soon. here with Matt Foster. Uh, very excited to have this, this interview and very pleased that Matt's given me some of his time to just really have a chat about him, about Cedartown and uh, everything that's going on. So um, Matt, for you, those of you who don't know, he's a, he's a city commissioner here in Cedartown and he's also a local school teacher. Used to be elementary but uh, mi- middle school now Matt, congratulations. Middle school, thank you. After 12 years, finally made it to middle school. 12 years in fourth and fifth grade, lose count. <laughs> How's it been first um first couple oh, of weeks back? Yikes. So, um, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention. Is there a COVID thing going on? Well, it is. Minor footnote? Yeah, um, we're recording this on the 12th of August, so <laughs> today is the day when school is out yeah. for next week. Yeah. It, it, honestly, all joking aside, um, it has been really, really cool um, to get to come up you know, I came up with kids that I taught last year, um, yeah. and I also had them from fourth grade, so I had them in fourth grade, fifth grade. Now I've got them again for six. I'm teaching kids that I already taught in really count seven and eight. That's your daughter in one of my classes. I've got kids who I, I never taught before because they were not at Northside, but I knew their families or I fought with their parents, and, and kids that I'm just now getting to know. And I know I've only been in there seven days in, eight days now today, but I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's like catching lightning in a bottle when you're going over something and you see them light up and understand it and you say that. I'm teaching all the gifted social studies classes. Yeah. So I've got eighth grade and seven and I've got one and six and, and we're rocking and rolling on it. I'm having a ball. Awesome. Really, and I'll tell you this too, my co-workers have extended open arms. I've got fantastic, fantastic administration. They understand the pressure that everyone is under. My other co-workers who have already been at the middle school understand me being a new guy, that I'm learning the logistics of the school already with an added layer of all this uncertainty. And everybody has been really understanding and graceful and man, I'm so ecstatic to be here. Awesome. I'm so excited that you've got Lil. That was um when I met you being probably five, six years we've known each other and um everyone talks about Mr. Foster the teacher and I was just I was always gutted that Lil was in a different elementary school than you were at and then but now we, you've got you've got her for a year, so um, good, good luck. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Oh well, <laughs> nowhere to go but down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how about um how about Northside? What what are you gonna miss? I mean you were there as you say twelve years. Yeah. I mean Northside is 
after I cut my teeth, that was the school that hired me to teach anything. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you know, my degree was political science. And so when I came back to Cedartown and looking for a job, I actually started out as a substitute teacher there. And I didn't really intend on ever becoming a teacher, a true full-time, this is my career teacher. And some of my friends who were working there said, hey, you're actually not too bad at this. You ever thought about doing it for free? I brushed it off. And then they said, no, you should really consider doing this. So long story short, Northside is what uh, what took a risk on me and uh, saw something in me that I didn't know existed. You know, I, I knew that I had good communication skills, but I thought that it was geared more toward, again, toward politics, toward a business professional setting. And, but interestingly, if you can make a difficult concept uh, powerful for a fourth grader, you can almost convince anyone of anything. So, you know, I really honed my skills there. And I'm going to miss the most, the thing that I miss the most right now off the top, and still, you know, I'm only a week and a half in middle school, but I miss walking in and seeing my teachers. I still got them on my phone. We're a phone call away. We're a text message away. But when you're there with someone for the good part of seven and a half, eight hours every day, you know, you see them more than you see your own family. So, you know, there's a little bit of separation anxiety. It hasn't been that bad because, again, uh, I've got a great crew over here at the middle school. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss those co-workers. I really do. Uh, I'm grateful that I still get to go hang out with them at the border or we'll meet for a pool party or we'll go have a drink together or something. Uh, or we'll FaceTime, you know, if it gets really bad. We can just pull up the FaceTime. But it is different than seeing each other every day for eight hours. So the main question I, I've got to ask, you and I, have, you know, we chat a lot with, with very good mates, but um, how's your timekeeping for getting to middle school? Because you could roll out of bed and be at Northside even, what, less than three minutes? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't, don't think I didn't do that. There was, a, there was a running joke, and I'm not going to mention names, but at Northside, if you, if you got there before this one particular, particular guy, you were, you were late. But, but you weren't as late, okay? <laughs> so I was not there on time, but I was I was probably pulling on a few wheels at the same time. Any job where I live within a five-minute drive, I, do, I just get, I don't get lazy, but I get comfortable with knowing that I could just skip two lights and boom, I'm there. Uh, when I worked in Atlanta, I, I lived in Athens, and I would drive uh, an hour and a half at least every day. You know, traffic was going for me. My business left me. Yeah, that was one way. Yeah. I was never late. Never. When I would, I would leave Athens, I would get to Atlanta, I would clock in 30, 45 minutes early, knock out some paperwork downtown. Never late. Five minutes from here, late every day. <laughs> that all being said, I've got about a seven to nine, ten minute drive to middle school, and I'm getting up early. That, that helps. I don't know if you do. <laughs> actually getting up earlier. Kind of, uh, it's only taken me 36 years to realize that, but. I get up earlier and I'm leaving earlier. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been there uh, early for eight straight days, but uh, tomorrow's a different day. So it's 
Yeah, and we're drinking beer here. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, it could be my fault you're late yeah, tomorrow. So, exactly. um, so for people who may listen to this over in Scotland, um, you know, uh, um, Town's a pretty, a pretty small town out in the country. So when Matt said he, he literally skips two lights to get to, to work, or he's got a five or six minute drive to, to, to the middle school, uh, it's quite a contained little small town. So but we'll talk a little bit more about Cedartown here in a minute. Uh, I want to go back to talking about Young Matt Foster. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, what do you got? Born and raised in Cedartown. Born and raised. And elementary school? Elementary school. North side was my kindergarten. Then I went to West side. And first middle school was before they consolidated into CMS. So, I never went to the school that I work at now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in Cedartown High School. Yep. And, um,. Describe a young Matt Foster. What's your favorite memories? Were you what, what, what were you doing in school? Were you oh out? man, so um, young Matt Foster. Okay, so I'm one of those, and I think you're on this too. You've got a couple of years on me, but you know we're the ones that grew up into the '80s. Didn't really know what was going on in the '80s so much, but we were definitely '90s kids. Yeah, and we didn't really have the cell phones. We we still kicked around balls outside. We My dad in the backyard had a younger brother, had a dog. You know, you spend all day outside after school, came in, and the sun was going down, it was hot as And so, I've got a ton of memories of just I mean, my, my grandparents and my dad built me a tree house. And I've got a ton of great memories with the neighbor kids over there, my younger brother, or sometimes just me and my dog hanging out there, uh, just being outside. You know, none of this iPad and iPhone. And I stayed too long on the Nintendo before homework was done. I was getting trouble for that. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, I was disciplined because I had people keeping me set. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, grew up playing tennis. I would take tennis lessons from Tommy Lundy during the summer. I grew up playing the piano. I, I, I actually did not want to do that, and my mom heard me tinkering around on the piano one day when I was in first grade, six years old, and she she noticed that I was picking out what I didn't know at the time, but it was a, it was a very basic chord. And she said, who taught you that? And uh, well, I just was thinking, picked it out. And the next thing I know, uh, I've got 12 years of piano lessons <laughs> after that. So um, that also disciplined me, which is I could go play my Nintendo again and do <laughs> piano lessons. I grew up playing a lot of stuff uh, as I got older and a little bit more rebellious. You know, my rebellious was, it wasn't going smoking cigarettes by the movie theater or, you know, breaking windows. My rebellious was, oh, it's a piano concert and you're supposed to play this beautiful uh, sonata by by, uh, Mozart or Beethoven. And instead I sat down and played Billy Joel and Elton John. That was my rebellious thing. It was always, it wasn't really rebellious, it was just a little bit of uh, cheeky mischief. Right, okay? right. So that, that was me. Kind of changed that. <laughs> and where was home during that time then? Um, what part of Cedar Town was it? I grew up uh, Hillside Drive behind where the Burger King was. Okay. Uh, the house, actually, my parents built that house in uh, 87 or 88. Uh, that's the house that my mom passed away in of cancer. I came back to after Canada 
shaping my writing, but she made me a better writer. I, I feel like I've always been a pretty decent writer, but she said, she saw that I was a much better writer than I was turning in, in a way. Yeah. And she graded me accordingly. And so I got better. I took her advice for that reason, <laughs> and I got better. Vicki Mays was another one. Uh, Clark Montgomery was another one that I never had as a teacher and passed away my sixth grade year of cancer as a principal first. But I heard stories about how he ran his class and how he made it enjoyable. So what I've tried to do with my career is balance the rigor with enjoyment of the class. Because if, if it's all just rigor and nobody, no one's enjoying what they're learning, it, it becomes boring very quickly and they lose their interest and um, they're not invested in it. But at the same time, if it's just a clown class, there's no rigor. And everybody knows it's just an extra segment of TV and fiddling around or something. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't learn this in a day. You know, it's like an art. It really is. You have to be, uh, you have to practice it. And I almost feel like every kid that I taught my first year, I should, uh, I can't pay for their college, but I should at least supply them with an apology letter because <laughs> they were kind of my guinea pigs. But it's been, it's been very interesting. And I, I give a lot of credit to my parents and grandparents saw to it that I had a, a decent education, not just at school, but it was continued school got out. And all of these teachers from kindergarten all the way up through high school and beyond, and, and even co-workers who have made me a better teacher today. So after after high school, it was off to University of Georgia? Not directly. Not directly. No, I got out of uh, I got out of Cedartown High School and I was accepted to UGA, but my mother had died just about a year and a half before that. And I was proud to get into UGA, but I wasn't ready for UGA. And so I decided, I looked at my brother, my brother was 10 years old when mom died by the time he was, I don't know, 11, 9, 12. And dad was, I don't know how my dad did it. I mean, that's Superman. He was full-time GBI, but also still made it in all of my tennis matches, still made it in all of that there was a parent conference and there was me with the ukulele jerking off and still take care of business. Yeah. I, I don't know how the man slept, but he still made sure that everything was taken care of. And I just felt like between my own somewhat um, immaturity, and I don't mean that in a goofy sense, but I wasn't ready to leave. I still needed that family my family unit still needed me. And so it worked out. I got two years of the same basic uh, education that I would have gotten in Georgia. And I saved dad a lot of money and I saved a lot of you know, gas headaches driving back and forth. And you know, I say this jokingly, but I'm also honest about it. If I had gone directly to UGA, I would have come directly back to UGA and I probably would not have had a diploma because. Once I did go, I saw very quickly how easy, if you, you didn't have that discipline, and by that time, the parents aren't on you. The mom, dad's not yelling from the office, get on your homework, it's yeah. all up to you. So I can see how a lot of people end up coming home if they're not familiar with both of them. Yeah. Or, or at least know how to balance it. You still have a great time, so I know that I did, <laughs> but I had to balance it. Yeah. Well, little known fact then about me is I, um, I, I left home at 19 to go to university down in, just outside of London, mm-hmm. 
saving for four months. Wow. Hated it. So easy. Yeah. So I don't officially have a degree from a university. I went and did uh, night school and stuff. I can print you off one. Sure. Got a dandy printer back there. Can I get an elementary school one? I will write whatever you want. Fifth grade. You are my friend. Fifth grade education. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, your roommate at at, um, at UGA was another Cedar Town guy, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Matt Beckley. And he's now cool tennis coach.
so yeah, so, so the friends that I've made through that have what been allowed me to go overseas and spend as much time in Australia and many other places that I've gone. So the one that I'm most jealous of is Cuba. Mm. That's been that's on my bucket list. Did I go to Cuba because I don't think Americans can go there. I don't really. Think oh, you I photoshopped yourself into the pictures. Yeah. Well, no, no you, you you had a window of a, like a year and a half you could go, right? Dude, I don't even down. know. I, so I did my homework. I'm not going to a foreign country without doing enough research. I know I make it look really cool on my Instagram, <laughs> but there's a meticulous amount of planning that goes into it because you know, I don't want to come back. Yeah, I, I, I certainly do not want to thank you. I do not want to come back from any foreign country pregnant. Um, or, or our domestic, really. <laughs> not want to but the thing with Cuba is even when I went, Americans, there's an old archaic law. And the Obama administration actually did do away with a lot of the, the rules about Cuban travel. Obviously, the Trump administration said, and we knew we had to do that. They changed it back. So, yeah, I had friends who, as recently as a year and a half ago, were going to go to Cuba on a cruise. And I was really excited. I had given them a little itinerary. I said, here's some things you need to do. I know you're going on a cruise. You can't go as far out as we did. You can't go to Vignales. You can't go to Santiago and use these places. But here's some cool things to do at Havana. And the week before they were supposed to go, the Trump administration changed the rules. I'm not getting political. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you what happened. Uh, they changed the rules back and they tied it back up. And so the crews didn't go and they had to end up going back to the office. So when I went, I don't remember exactly what law it is, but the law says that an American cannot spend any of their money in Cuba. Okay. No American assets can be spent in Cuba. So everything that I Canadians go to Cuba, and they they treat it like it's Hawaii. 
the Swiss, the French, uh, the British expats, they come over and they go to Cuba, not to mention all the other uh, people in the, the Hispanic community throughout the world who have the means of life. Uh, you know, wealthy people in Mexico sometimes will go to Cuba. So it's not lacking for an influx of foreign money. Right. So, I mean, we're really just punishing ourselves from seeing a really, really cool, if not somewhat still backward, part of the world. So. That point there, though, is, is something interesting to me because if Americans, and I'm, I'm not saying Cuba like maybe either, if Americans were to get to Cuba more, much more often, that nostalgia, that backwardness could be lost pretty quickly. Oh, I think it would be. Yeah. I really do. Um, one thing that I noticed that was very stark of my way to Cuba, and I want you to understand, I'm not advocating for communism, I'm not advocating for socialism, I'm just comparing a certain way of life with Cuban people versus what I saw in the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic has a similar history of occupation by the U.S. They had several dictators that toppled U.S. wings came in. Uh, it was kind of a protectorate for, for several years. But the Dominican Republic has been highly uh, taken over by McDonald's and uh, Mitsubishi and BMW. Again, it's not just U.S. stuff, but it's very much like driving down Turner McCall Boulevard in Rome mm-hmm. or driving down the suburbs of Atlanta where everything is big box stores. Obviously, you don't have that in Cuba. You do have, luckily, you do have some uh, some capitalist influence now because they had more certain things in there. And you know, to that, I'm, I'm very grateful. But I don't want it to necessarily become, luckily, I don't have to say, but I don't, I would hate for it to become something that was so commercialized that it loses that flavor. Yeah. It Again, not a, not a thing about the socioeconomic part or capitalist economy or market economy, whatever. It's just the the soul of the people. You don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Cuban people are pretty resilient. And I, I think that they'll uh, I think that they should be the, the masters of their own house. So maybe after that other Castro vote is gone, maybe that can maybe they can start turning out uh, turning it up. Back to Cedar kind of up to date then. Um, you mentioned you're at the middle school now. Um, any long term plans to get into administration at the school, or are you just happy in the classroom oh, for now? You know what? I don't even know what I'm going to eat for lunch tomorrow. So, I don't know. Who cares? No. I've never wanted to be an administrator. That may change. Never say never. As long as my, my dad's on the school board. And we've got a supportive board. You know, they've got that rule now that you can't be an administrator and have a direct family member on the board anymore. Um, that came up when Al Ford was on the board and his uh, daughter-in-law was an administrator. Uh, you know, obviously he had to resign. I don't want to put my dad in that situation, but luckily I won't because I don't want that. Now, right. You know, I love teaching kids. I've got a lot of friends who are I've worked with some great administrators. I've worked with some that go back and they learn 
save people, and that's what they hired me for. Yeah, to go back and make connections in the community. And I did that under contract, and, and it was great. But when they were ready to hire me full time, I said, "Wait a minute, you know, this is uh, it's time to go back to school." And he said, "Well, you know, we really want you. We'll pay for certain things if you, you, know, you can keep making the trick money. You get the face of this." And I said, "I appreciate that, and, and I like the." Relationship that we have together. I will continue supporting this bank and I love everybody here, but I'm a teacher. And so I went back, did one more year at North Side to, uh, because that's, that's what I'm good at, but that's also what gets my soul fulfilled. Right. And you had a good crystal ball, which I'm not sure getting out of your community agent for that would have been a very good uh, yeah, choice. Yeah, <laughs> I did pretty good on that. It was a good decision. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to just, um, you said something um, just a few minutes ago about um, some previous administrators who needed to go back and have relearn. So I, I can say I think they never actually learned it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, just try to be diplomatic. Yeah, I get it, but I don't, have to, be, yeah. I don't have to be. So, That's okay. Um, they, they were a mess. Yeah, um, yeah. So, anyway, um, so I think it was summer. mentioned the, the wheelchair race, so yep. for people who don't know, who may be listening in Scotland, um, Zero Town hosts a, a wheelchair race every year for the top athletes in the world, it's a warm up for the Teach Free Road Race in Atlanta, so they come here sometime between the 1st to the 3rd of July, depending on days of the week and all that stuff, and um, it's, um, it's a good time, right? It's a great time, I, I, I was the water boy when I started it, in, in the past, geez, I guess 10 years I've been on the board of it. Some top athletes, right? And yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let facts get in the way of this. Exactly. I'll, I'll make one up. I think okay. it, I think it's right. Thank you. What's that? But we um we seen a world record set here, right? We've seen a world record set here, and we've also seen. Uh, well, first of all, we we have the fastest 5K in the world. Yeah. And there are people who come to Atlanta, but they also make sure that they come to Cedar Town and have a chance of running this one. So make sure you know it's not just something where we have somebody standing outside and there's a there's a checkered flag and then you win. We got a time. Yeah. And the stats are legit and they're written stone. And we've got some people. I mean, Pat Down Fat is one of the most amazing wheelchair racers in the world. She was the face of DP for I want to say the Olympics. Uh, gosh, what were they? I love Beijing, but uh, she races.
November. We're hoping to have it. Oh, November. cool. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Might have to make some more difficult decisions, but that's the, uh, that's the general idea. Cool. We may even get a faster time because it'll be cold. We'll just want to get in. Yeah, and get, get out. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so we had some fun when we, um, oh, we first yeah, met. Yeah. We, we took some of the wheelchair races out to, to eat and we went back to the hotel. We I think the expression in Scotland is we got on it. We got on it, yeah. 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 We got on it, and we also, well, so for those of you listening in uh, the, the motherland, as I would call it, because right, I do have uh, British ancestry, uh, we went over the state line into Alabama and bought fireworks. At the time, fireworks were illegal in Georgia, but that did not stop us from procuring them in the state that is only 10 miles west of Georgia. But during the day, we bought a buttload of fireworks. Shit ton. A shit ton. A shit ton. <laughs> of fireworks. And uh, we brought them back. And then we got on it. <laughs> Don't try this at home, kid. But then we got on it. Then we got on the fireworks. And we lit up the sky. And we woke a lot of neighbors up. Yeah. But, um, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to arrest uh Six Australians in wheelchairs. Nah, nah. You boys have fun. Yeah, that's what they said. Just be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. I think we were safe. Yeah, well, we survived. Yeah. So. Oh man. Anyway, so this year, um, 2020, we were elected. Is it elected to city um, um, chairman commissioner? Well, that's model. Elected, appointed. I was. I guess I was elected by the other. Yeah, well, it was, it was actually 2019. Okay. So this is the second year. So I guess they were lucky enough in 2020 to keep me around there. We don't have a mayor. So the way it works is all five commissioners are elected to represent the city. They're like town councilors. They're elected to represent the entire city at large. Three are elected at one time, two are elected at another time, but it was always in continuous. Uh, every two years, there's, uh, there's another election, four year term. So I got elected by the, by the people of the city in 2013, took off in 2014. So four years later, I said, okay, you know what? People think I'm doing a pretty decent job, and I'm, I particularly think we as a team had done a decent job. So I ran again, got reelected, and then uh, we started saying, uh, people started saying, well, when are you going to put in for a leadership role? And I said, well, I'm already a city commissioner. I think that you ever have a problem, have brought it to me, and I try my very best to solve it. Sometimes I have to give people the view that either this is not something that we can solve, or unfortunately, this has already happened. So, so people are very, most people are very grateful just to get a straight answer, even if it's not what they want to hear. They're grateful for a straight answer. So, um, people say, "Okay, it's time for you to uh, take the gavel." And I said, "Well, uh, not yet, but we'll wait." The other commissioners was uh, about to have to resign because he was building a house outside the city limits, had to give up his position. I said, okay, you know, I identified the chair and I, I asked them privately, I said, you know, not that I necessarily want it, don't want me to be it or my feelings, but I would like a shot at being the chairman. 
voting rights act. Right. So when the chairman resigns, the only votes in the case is tied. So no tie the past two years. So okay. no, no votes for me the past two years. <laughs> so nothing's your fault, then. No, <laughs> I actually the only thing is my fault but I say I'm one of your minor faults. <laughs> I am. Um, I really like the usefulness of the, the commission. It really has um, certainly since I've come to see how it kind of evolved a lot and um, much more um, younger people, you know, Jessica, Andrew, Sam, yourself. Um, I think it's um, it's really helping businesses, and you still get the Facebook keyboard warriors just oh, yeah. you know, more and bitch about everything. But you know, well, they're they're consistent with with uh, whoever. Right. I had I used to take some of that personal. Uh, now I realize that they don't complain about Matt Foster. They complain about uh, an office that they don't understand or a rule that they don't understand that if we did certain things, it might be illegal or unconstitutional or both. So, again, it, it could be Matt Foster, it could be Kevin King, it could be uh, you know Bob Smith or Jane Doe, and the complaints are not directed. That's not to say that if somebody brings something forth to me that is a complaint, that I just say, let them be okay. No, of course not. I put them in touch with the city manager, the deputy manager, the water director, the direct director. I, I try my very best to make sure that uh, a person's issue is at least addressed. Yeah. And to their credit, we have a great administration.
a certain thing that, that an old city ordinance that may hinder your the growth or hinder your business, then he could say, hey, let's take a look at that at the next meeting. You know, we might take fair shares to it yeah. and, and get rid of it. So I like that dynamic that it, the administration can see certain things that may need to be weeded out that help local people start a business or incubate a business or keep a business up and running and not get in the way of it. I don't think we would ever intentionally get in the way of a business, but it's nice to know the administration helps us not do that unintentionally. Right. Either. So, local politics in the city, you know, you're, you're involved, you're, you do want to do any, any ambitions beyond that, President Foster? <laughs> you must be confused. <laughs> you are confused. So, my closest friends in high school, you know, they found out I was going to run for the city council. They probably said, ah, oh, yeah, it's a stepping stone. You're going to get to be a way to try to, you're going to do this a little while and you're going to run for the state house or something. You might want to be a governor or you might run for blah, 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 blah. You know what?
several other good people hadn't have stood up and taken personal risks who are on uh, what is it? What am I trying to say? I mean, we, we stuck our neck out of the We put our reputations on the line. Yeah, yeah. And if we hadn't done that, and several other people in this town in Rockmore hadn't done that, we'd still be dealing with problems that we luckily got rid of a few years ago. Yeah, and the same people would be in office and the same mess would would have continued and it would have and it would have just gone on with reckless abandon. So yeah, we took a risk. I regret nothing. And uh, it was totally worth it. Not not for my own personal gain, but because this is a place that we care about. And these are kids we care about. Yeah, these are workers Yeah, it was actually, that's a great segue, because um, we're almost done. Um, I don't want to take up all your evening, but um, summer 2017, well, spring, summer 2017 was a pretty fun, pretty fun time. So for, for those of you in Cedar Town, you, or, or folk, you remember the uh, school board administration mess. For those yeah. of you in Scotland, probably, um, let's just say um, there were people put in charge, um, out of process, and it was just a another shit show. So um, that's your robust vocabulary. For yeah, that. that's my Scottish, <laughs> Scottish coming out. But um, it was really probably twenty seventeen when I got to know you a lot better. I met um, your, your dad, um, your um, your stepmom Sherry, two of the greatest people I've met in Cedar Town. Privileged to know, um, and we um, we just got vocal. I I, I liked it. Not blow my own trumpet, but I was I was pretty vocal early on yeah, it. You were. Um, and then the, the ball started rolling down the hill, and all of a sudden it gathered so much speed that we were in were you in Canada? Where were you? Or Australia? I know. Well, I thought Australia. Yeah, I had said, um, and luckily I hadn't fully resigned, but I had said, you know, hell with this. The life is worth living. This is uh, good luck, everybody. But I was I was over it. I wasn't even one of the ones that was directly targeted, really. Yeah. I just thought, if this year was this bad, imagine what next year's going to be. And so I, I cashed in a work visa, and I was headed to Australia. Yeah, I was over there for all summer. And then you heard on, on the on the telephone, your dad decided to Yeah, so that's, that called me. So the way that it worked was uh, we got two out of three uh, change over on school board. You guys probably know watching about how our primaries work. So you know, the Republican wins, they're an incumbent, and there's nobody facing them. And by November, they just automatically win the election. So that was what we were facing. And, you know, I thought, well, two out of three ain't bad, but it's not going to really change a whole lot. But we had a, a good guy from Rock Bar, Hal Floyd, that I thought, yeah, he's going to be good. And Christy Gober, she's going to, you know, she's very strong. Person, uh, great, great heart on that on both of them. But I just I was over it. So I'm in Australia at the time, and I've been to a couple wineries with some friends of mine. So they're wheelchair agents, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a 12-hour time zone difference. Well, 14 hours. Can't remember. But anyway, Dad never really understood exactly what time it was in in Melbourne. So he calls, I answer. Tired, right? Middle of the night, and he 
says, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm asleep. He's like, he's like, look at Google what time it is over here. I'm asleep. He says, okay, well, go back to sleep. But when you get up, I need you to start looking at why you come back. And I said, uh, what are you doing? He said, I need you to come back and, uh, and run a school board campaign. And help me on a school board campaign. Organize this stuff. I said, you're going to do this? Can't run as a Republican, that's already passed. The incumbent won that. He said, I'm gonna get signatures and I'm gonna run as an independent. And uh, I said, Okay, all right, well let me call you back in the morning, in the morning here, when it's when I'm awake and not foggy. So I remember following and I thought to myself, you know, that line ring until the end was because Donald Trump just got the Republican nomination for president, and my dad is calling, my dad was never political. Here he is going to say he's going to run for the school board, and I'm over here in Australia chasing freaking Pokemon on my iPhone. <laughs> like, oh, I got to go back to sleep. <laughs> this is a dream. But I got up and uh, I booked the flight, came on back, and one day, yeah, and he's and, you know, one term later, this time again, running for re-election now. He and a, a very strong board. Established trust throughout the community. Uh, he didn't do it by himself. It was uh, a lot of good people who stepped up as well, but I'll give my dad the credit. He asked the hard questions and he confirms too. And I'm, I'm just tickled. I look at that board now and I, I, I say thank you to every one of them. Uh, I'm so, so grateful that this board gets it and understands their priorities. Their priorities are not apps and iPads and uh, you know adding someone else's wallet or having a dock built in South Georgia. The priorities are this kid that we can see through my back window. Yeah. Who just made the volleyball team and is in my classes. And the priorities are the kids on the other side of that hill who I've never even met yet, but they and their families rely on full school districts their kids an education, but also to get them meals throughout the week. Those are our priorities, and this board gets that. And I think throughout all this COVID stuff that we're going through, people are very frustrated in the purest sense of the word. I'm frustrated because I don't know what is going to happen a week from now or a month from now. Nobody does. It's been continuous months of frustration, not directed for me, not directed at a person or a group. Or just frustration and not knowing if we're even going to get to celebrate certain holidays together. Yeah. Or if we're going to get to have football, uh, our football. Yeah. Or your football. Either. Football. Yeah. <laughs> so I get the frustration, but I also have to say that I think most people, again, you got your keyboard warriors who are the outliers, but I think most people around here look at this current situation school board, superintendent, and central office, and they, they say, they're making difficult decisions. They don't have a crystal ball in front of them. None of us do. But they're making decisions in the interest of our children that we love. And there's a lot of trust there. There is. And um, the one stark difference um, in the last 12 to 18 months I've noticed is um, just open and honest communication. Sure. As a parent, I, I know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, as you say. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But... I know, you know 
happened today in the school board or, uh, or the administration in, encouraged by the school board of that transparency that they just never had before. And I think also to a point that I made earlier about sometimes having to give people information that they didn't want to hear, but you're at least giving them honest information, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anybody really that can do that if they want another break. But I was happy to go back to school. Yep. It really bums me out that next week, the kids that I've spent almost two weeks getting to know and asking them, you know, what do you like, what are your fears, what do you Sports, what are you good at? You speak these different languages, and I'm getting all these kids, and then we talk. But I get while we do it. Yep. And with the district being forthright, I appreciate that. And I'm truly not just a third year teacher, and I have to go along with it. That sure, she can still drive at the moment. I don't have to stuff all day. But I actually believe that when we're getting these press releases out, giving us information that is honest and they're giving us policies or directives that were made with the right intention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think uh, I think the majority of people in Polk County would agree with that. Yeah, I think what a lot of people in Polk County have really got to remember is we are a we're a very underprivileged low income area and, yeah. and kids need good people in their lives and I don't mean that their parents are not but that there is a undercurrent of a 10%, 20% of kids here who, who don't have a father figure, whose mom has to work three jobs, um, and they go home to a door that's latched for them. And I think it also says a lot to, and, and again, I take credit for me personally, but when you have different teachers who have different, a different wealth of knowledge or different life experiences, and you get to know that teacher not just for the time schools for or George Washington, but George was making. And all that stuff. When you peel that back and you you get to kind of almost through osmosis in a way, you you learn your teacher as a person. And I'm not saying that you know they're going to get political and all that stuff and your kids in classes, but you do kids do get to see how their teachers are and how they react to things sometimes, and they may find that their teacher might actually have a, have a more chill reaction see at home and then they start modeling how they react to things after what that teacher has done and a teacher may never actually have to directly say that yep but kids are like sponges man they just they just soak up the information but they also soak up the non-verbal things and i'm really excited to hear one year about maybe a kid learned something from me about the coping mechanisms or uh, how to how to deal with certain situations just because I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass um, at all, but um, <laughs> just by virtue of the age of the kids that I taught when I started my, my journey coaching at Zero Town, uh, I had a lot of kids that you had in elementary school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a ton of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've grown up now, they've you know, all graduated. They're, yeah, they're what, 21, 22. Yeah, so they're married kids, you know, and I talked to them about, I know Mr. Foster, and, you know, the man, their eyes lit up. And uh, you, you impacted those boys, because uh, I coached the, the boys soccer team, more than you, uh, more than you probably even know yourself. So, uh, oh, but I won't let you get on with that. I'll try my best. <laughs> They're good boys, though. I remember, I remember teaching those guys, and, and I was a green, but you know, 
Now this this question you got to listen carefully to. Okay. You got your phone. Yeah. You have to wipe every app from your phone except three. Okay. What three apps are left? Now I get this, but but, but we can't say like oh. or you know. We'll assume that it. your that your phone calls, your text messages, and Google Chrome can stay. That, that okay. is okay. I, mean, I hate to make it a technicality, but that would I would be so boring if I said. Gage okay. said exactly the same thing. Okay. This morning. Okay. If you want to just push him out, I punch him and drive past it. I punch him. Open the door. Yeah. Out of here. <laughs> okay. So uh, one that I would keep. I, I love the Washington Post. Okay. Uh, it, it's my favorite newspaper, so I would keep the Washington Post. I would also keep Audible. Okay. I I did not really love audiobooks that much until quarantine. I started walking a lot. Yeah. And I just and I'm not I'm not listening to books that are like fiction or nonfiction. I'm listening to like to help improve my Spanish, help improve my French or my German. So yeah. for that matter, I love the language learning app uh, or the language learning software on Audible. Okay. Okay, so it's two. Now I'm not gonna lie, I gotta get my candy crush, man. <laughs> I gotta crush it. When I'm Seven guys in front of me, and one of them wants just a 30 minute himself haircut. I gotta crush it. I'm gonna slam it, man. I'm like on, on level 2000 or something. Find out why Stabbing You Barber Shop. That's Rich and Captain in there, right? Yeah. They uh, are so freaking busy. Yeah. I, I go um, usually get there on the Saturday morning. I'm like up at 7 a.m. to get, yeah. get in and out because otherwise you can be there for. Oh, yeah. See? Exactly. So, right. So throughout this, we've been um, we've been sipping on this beer from um, it's out of Chicago, um, the uh, Type Works Brewing Company, mm. Double India Pale Ale, Ninja versus Unicorn. I only bought it because um, the cans. The artwork is really cool. The artwork is, uh, is awesome. something phenomenal. Yeah. So um, have you tasted it yet? No, I haven't. Come on, take it to go. All right. So it's an IPA. Yeah. It's a uh, Double India Pale Ale, actually. Ooh, yeah. Okay, good night. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> it comes in at a whopping 8%. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's good. It's really good, right? It is really, really good. Get these at the Foundry in Rome, which is a, a bar that sells a lot of craft beers. You can yeah. buy cans, you can buy pints. You know, IPA is something. And I'm not trying to sound like a snob because I like a light beer. But yeah. Not in the anticipation. You're doing your work on a Saturday. A, a nice light beer, a Nick Ultra, prickly pear cactus, or just plain Nick Ultra. Cool. Oh, you have an ad. I don't care. Judge me. I don't care. It's my house. I'm a big boy. I'm a grown ass man. That's what I call my dad. <laughs> <laughs> they called me Gam because of that before. They're like, oh, you're going to be Gam. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but anyway, these, uh, an IPA sometimes is one of those things that gets overused in the States because. Not everything that is labeled an IPA is actually an IPA. Right. Some of it's more melodic. So I'm really, really feeling this. is a This is unique and it's uh, it's actually quite good. Yeah. And it is a true IPA. Yeah. Yeah, so perfect. I can taste some citrus in it. Mm-hmm. Kind of lemony. I wonder if it's got maybe some uh, some grapefruit. I feel like there might be a little grapefruit or something. Because it's got that yeah. little tart bitter. 
talk about we can do more than that. But sure, it's, it's my my podcast and you're the guest. So yeah, grapefruit. Definitely oh, yeah. got grapefruit. So well, thank you so much for the hour and twenty minutes almost. Wow. If you if you couldn't watch the decent movie, but you listen to me relaxing. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you, Scotland. Yeah, to probably like, walk in listening to you, you know, and nice. Cool. Well, as I say, you're um you're one guy that I, I look to and see as how is a is a leader for, for, for the kids, for the city. Uh, I think you do do a lot of lot of great stuff and um Parents, your brothers are just uh, a great family. So, thanks, man. Privileged to know you, and um, yeah, thank you so much for coming well, out. You know what? It's been a pleasure. We've been a friend for several years, uh, and uh, I'm blessed to know you. I'm glad you, you picked this uh, center of the universe, Cedartown, Georgia. But to, uh, I, I think you picked me. Obviously, Lindsay was born and raised here. Um, Ten ways to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's not the other one.